Welcome to Bellwether Friends. Definitely not the first podcast featuring a discussion of pop culture and why we think you should like what we like. You should trust us because we're librarians. I'm Anna and my allergies are back. I'm Aline and I keep wondering why Anna is sneezing. <laughs> I'm allergic to work <laughs> of all kinds, such as lawn work, mowing. Work, work. Right. Every couple of weeks, we're going to get together and chat about a pop culture topic or two, what we think and how we feel. This episode is going to be heavy on the feelings. Super heavy on the feelings. We'll end the show with our current obsessions. This is episode number 90, entitled Anna's Hard Passes. The uh, concept of these series of episodes... Content warning. Content warning. (laughs) is to talk about the pop culture things that we avoid, like the plague, and why. Is the plague a hard pass? Um, so the Doomsday Book is okay. Okay. Although it makes me cry. Mm-hmm. I'm not averse to crying. I am. I am totally averse to crying. I will put that right up here. If something makes me cry, I get mad. Unless it's something that I have personal experience with, then I don't want to cry about it because I have already cried about it. Okay, so see, that's legit. I just don't want to cry. Right. You're a machine. I am a cold-hearted snake. We will delve deep into my psyche in this episode and the things that I don't like to be reminded of. And then we will do the same for you in the next episode... Unless you tell me we can't do that because that's a hard pass. (laughs) (laughs) We are here to have back-to-back episodes of late. We had two Book Buzz episodes, and we will have two Feelings episodes, and then we will have a movie advisory episode. Or something, (laughs) yeah, something something lighter. Palette cleanser. Ooh, a guest. Yeah, we haven't had a guest in a while. It's not that we don't want guests. It's that we are just focusing inward. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now we had some things to report on. Yes, and hey, let us know if you've got something you want to discuss with us, and maybe you too can be a guest. You can tweet at us, at Bellwether Friends. You can email us at bellwetherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. You're going to do better to tweet at us. <laughs> Probably, yes. There are a bunch of topics that I don't like to read about or watch or think about. But I don't put them in the hard pass category. So let's talk about those first. So you have a bunch of not hard passes. Yeah, like soft passes. Is that a thing? Yes, soft passes are definitely a thing. So on my soft pass list are peril and death of children. Oh, Nessie, I thought that was a hard pass for you. No, I mean, I don't like the beginning of It. Right. But that hasn't stopped me from... Reading it and watching two versions of it. And listening to it. Listening to it, right. So, Peril and Death of Children. I never like it when they kill kids in the X-Files or whatever, but I don't then subsequently refuse to rewatch that episode. I would like to interject here that whether something is a hard pass or a soft pass or something we find acceptable, it doesn't mean we are pro that thing. Like you just said, I'm not pro kid death. Are you sure? No. <laughs> but I it's not on my list of soft pass, hard pass things. Right. I have a kid, and 
I have an imagination as well. It's not hard to put the kid into the place of the other kid. Yes. And you have a vivid imagination. I, I do. This is part of my problem. So other things that are things I would shy away from are fires, house fires in particular. This one we have in common, just parents, especially mothers dying in general. Which yes, is- we really have this in common. And it is interesting to me the way we have it in common from different sides of it. <laughs> yes, we'll get into mine shortly. But it's very hard to read a chunk of children's lit and a chunk of, what's the word I want? Oprah books. Well, yes, I was going to say there's that genre of... Literary fiction? Yes, that's the word I want. Literary fiction without running into dead parents, particularly dead mothers. And one of the ways that they often die is my main hard pass, my uber pass. The hardest of hard passes. Which is cancer, the C word. Not that C word. Continuity. Continuity. Capitalism. That's also a hard pass. However, we are all enmeshed in it. Capybara. Oh, okay. So, cancer is the hardest of hard passes. And it has been for my entire life as a consumer of culture. I made a list and... I remember really hating Sadako and the Thousand Paper Cranes when we had to read it. That goes back? Yep. I never had to read that in class. I wonder when it was published. It was probably later than me. We could look it up. There's no way to know. (laughs) But we had a project where we made paper cranes and read the book, and I was like, not, I was not into it. I was not into the message of hope or whatever. I was like, she's dead at the end. Pretty sure. Yeah. And similarly, a few years later, I was assigned to read Death Be Not Proud. Oh, John Gunther. Which I have a vivid memory of trying to rip in half and not finishing. I had Death Be Not Proud on my shelf for... A long time and never ever read it. I don't think I knew it was about cancer. Yeah, well, that's the problem. See, there needs to be something that says, FYI, this is about cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Content warning. Content warning. Right. And I realize that there's a slippery slope there and you could warn everyone about all kinds of things. Pet death, for example. This makes me want to shout out spoilers, sweetie which is a website that was put together by a couple of fabulous librarians and is available and will be linked in the show notes where you can find information about possible hard passes for you and your patrons. So keep an eye out for spoilers, sweetie, and use it. And this also brings me to the reason that I want spoilers for everything Because I cannot take it when one of my hard passes is sprung upon me. And we'll talk more about that. No. Sadako. Oh, Sadako. Was published in 1977. We have learned. Just as I was. (laughs) 
copyright 1977. So spoilers, Sweetie hasn't updated for a few months, but they still would are looking for volunteers, it looks like, to read the books and provide synopses so that you can quickly find out if a book is going to have something that will make it difficult for someone to read. So before I talk about cancer pop culture and whether there's anything that I um, can manage to stomach, I'm just going to touch on why it's an issue for me. My mother was first diagnosed with cancer in 1974, which is before I was born, and she had Hodgkin's disease, and she was given her lifetime supply of radiation at that point. And then in 1987, she was diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time with the assumption that the radiation was responsible for the excessive growth <laughs> of cells in her breast. Uh, she had a breast removed and she was diagnosed again with breast cancer. I don't remember if it was in the 90s or the early 2000s. She had breast cancer and then she was diagnosed a fourth time with lung cancer, but they also said, you have some breast cancer in here too. That's really interesting. Fascinating. And we were like, great. I'm glad that you're interested in this. But uh, that, the last time she was diagnosed, she did not survive. But she survived more than 30 years and and so I like to think of it as you know mom for cancer one or whatever the number is she's she survived long enough to have two kids and see them graduate from high school at least I saw you graduate from college yep so I I can't even talk about this, much less watch a movie or read about it. Yeah, this is a thing where the hard passes came up for us before content warnings were a thing. And when we are reading or watching something and one of our hard passes comes up, it is a horror. It's it's something that has been brought up and has been trivialized or inflated based on the nature of the conversation. Those of us who live in a social media and internet world know this about many things. And the need for people to know what's coming is not new. This isn't a new thing. I have experiences similar to Anna's on my own hard passes, which we'll get to in the next episode. But when we are when we're faced with something like this and it comes out of nowhere, it can be very painful and very hurtful and can put us off of an experience pretty profoundly where you're like, I'm not going to read another book that has this in it. And so I am going to make a point of only reading this book, this kind of book, for ever. Pretty much. 
and then we have an assignment or a book group or a genre study and something else comes up and you know we read these miles long synopses on Wikipedia to avoid having the situation come up but they're they're truly terrible and I would want to protect you from them and I would want to protect our listeners and my friends and my readers and it's something that we talk about when we are doing readers advisory service yeah I don't ask someone to tell me every single thing that bothers them but I say you know this is a book that you asked for and here are some other books like it and how do you feel about this issue and sometimes they're like oh no big deal and sometimes they're like no 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 yeah the issue of being a surprise, I was looking at lists of movies where cancer is like a plot point, and some of them I didn't even know were, I'm just going to call them cancer movies, and some of them I suspected but have now confirmed and will therefore never watch. Like, we saw previews for a Monster Calls, and I didn't know that cancer was the thing. What? Wait, What? That's is the monster cancer? I don't know. Doesn't mm. I'm not gonna find out anymore. No, no we're not. And the fault in our stars, I'm never going to watch or read. And uh, you know, terms of endearment. Oh, hey, this is a thing that we you can cooperate with people in your life or colleagues at work, where. You have your hard passes, and they have their hard passes. Like, I read The Fault in Our Stars, and I saw the movie, and I know about it, and I can, like, tell Anna, this is the stuff that somebody might like about it, and this is the stuff that nobody's going to like about it. <laughs> and you can share that information, if you, even if it's not on spoilers, sweetie. Or some similar place. Yeah. So, I reviewed the list of movies. We'll st I'll start with movies here. And I have discovered what my favorite movie featuring cancer is. Okay. And it is Deadpool. Yes. <laughs> Deadpool is a cancer movie. You're right. Right? So, best cancer movie, hands down, is Deadpool because he has a terminal diagnosis. So he goes through weird experimental surgery, and now he can't die at all, but he seems happy-ish, kind of, at the end of the first movie, anyway. Right. So, yeah, Deadpool, and then we're just going to skip the rest, especially Stepmom, and uh, what was another one that I... Oh, Midnight Sun, which we saw previews for, and I suspected... That, oh, was that cancer? Well, it was like some rare... Right. It the, came up in the list. It was a w rare photosensitivity. Yeah, but spoiler, she dies. <laughs> oh. Why? Does he take her out in the sun? She knows she's dying, so she goes out in the sun with him, and she dies shortly thereafter, according huh. to the Wikipedia synopsis. <sighs> spoiler, sweetie. Right. So, there have been things I have started... Like the graphic novel I Kill Giants, which is about a little girl who's like out there slaying giants and all sorts of things in her imagination. But like upstairs, as soon as I figured out that upstairs in a room her mom was in bed, I was like, nope. Yeah. 
I'm done. Oh my gosh, the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, you almost got up and left. Yeah. I remember that. It was a close one. It was. And so I I have debates with myself about whether it would be good for me to like embrace the feelings and like seek it out. Maybe I should watch all of these movies. Maybe I should like put myself through it and then I am never going to recommend that. And then I think, nope, there's no reason to do that. I already went through it for real. Right. <laughs> so uh, I know that there are some people who find catharsis in a fictionalization of something like that. But it makes me <laughs> choke just thinking about it. So I was trying to figure out what things that... I have experienced that I, that, that, because there are things that I've read mostly, and they're all nonfiction, <laughs> pretty much. Like, I read Wild, and it was rough when we were in the mom parts. And I read a memoir called The Long Goodbye by Megan O'Rourke, and that was rough, but I liked it, ultimately. I have read parts of the book my mom edited called Our Gift of Love, Personal Stories of Breast Cancer Courage, which, strangely, when I got to my library in Springfield the, the week or two after I got there, they were weeding, and so I picked up an extra copy. <sighs> but it was like, you know, a book that was published in Salt Lake City that was in 1997 or something that was being weeded 20 years later in Springfield, and it just happened to be there very strange yeah so you're making me want to before you go on you're making me want to think about people wanting to read things that parallel their own experience as a sort of catharsis and I have so many feelings about representation mattering and wanting to find windows and mirrors in things and not finding my own experience in some stuff that I'm searching for, but I don't have the strength to read all the stuff that is hard passes in order to find the representation that I'm seeking. So I want to hear I, I want to hear more about the stuff you've read and the stuff you've done, but I also want to I'm I've been thinking really hard about this because I want to find things and I can't and then I'm like do I need to write it? And we talked about this very briefly when we were talking about the memoirs panel at the Day of Dialogue. One of the books that I would like to read in book form that I read a lot of in blog post form is by Lisa Bonchek Adams, who was a Twitter presence speaking honestly and sometimes with rage and sometimes with sadness about living with cancer. She died in 2015, but they collected her writings in a book that's available. We'll link to it in the show notes. And she just did a great job of, like, being so angry at the people who say, like, God never gives you more than you can handle. Those people. And, like, just um, being relatable and helping people to understand what it's like and 
I wish there were more books like that on all of the hard pass topics or more people writing like that and maybe there are they just don't have the audience that they deserve the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks had the sciency bit that allowed me to put myself at enough of a remove I think I listened to the audiobook and the parts with her daughter were hard you know yeah. But I was able to get through it. But, like, I was looking at books, and I would never pick up a Lurleen McDaniel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a running joke with my coworker, the teen librarian, many years ago, where he was weeding, and there was a Lurleen McDaniel book titled... I want to live. Oh, and our response was, you're in the wrong book. Yeah, you're sorry, dude. There was a book called Mom's Cancer, a graphic novel by Brian Fies, which I own, I believe, and have managed to make it through. Not without crying, because I can't make it through any of these without crying. And it's it will keep me from... Doing things like watching Breaking Bad, for example. Wow. That's interesting because until you, when you said that, I was like, why would it? And then I remembered that he was making money for his cancer treatment <laughs> that he couldn't afford as a chemistry teacher. And I honestly, I think that's in the first episode and it never comes up again. Probably, but, but it still kept you off of it. That's enough for me right. to not... You're making me remember I read Cancer Vixen. I haven't read a it. A true story by Marissa Ecocella Marchetto, who was a New Yorker cartoonist, among other things. And it was originally published in 2006. And I read it not long after that, before I read anything graphic at all, which is interesting. Yeah, so do you have any other... Uh not recommendations. Recommended cancer reads? Well, recommended cancer reads or things that we should avoid, put on the avoid list. Like, My Sister's Keeper is on my avoid list. Who wrote that? Jodi Picot. Picot. Well, all of Jodi Picot right, is on my exactly. avoid list. Uh, well, so, it does bring me to a more generalized sort of, like, Maybe not so much a hard pass as a no thank you very much kind of thing for me because I don't I don't want to read about anguish. Yeah, so and misery. And that's generally why I avoid literary fiction. <laughs> me too. And we'll talk about that in my episode. <laughs> when I was thinking about what my hard passes were and how to differentiate them from your hard passes and I started out with like literary fiction and anguish and Oprah books and I was able to refine it a little more clearly but when we're looking at this stuff I know that when I read the back of a pile of galleys or when I'm at a book buzz or when we're seeing movie previews we have nopes and oh yeah or I know who's gonna like that there's the whole range of responses, but we do have some nopes yeah. out there. Well, I mean, I don't mind having nopes because there's a lot, and it's 
good to be able to narrow it down. Yeah. Like, it's written by a man. Well, probably not then. <laughs> I've been using that one for like 30 years now. I have another tangent to pursue, which is that there are certain things that I... So I was living at home during the last summer. My mom was alive. And so all of the pop culture that I consumed while that happened is still freighted with that time. So I can't hear Bad Day by Daniel Powder without thinking of it. And I stop watching the anime Bleach at some point and I can't pick it up again or I haven't tried to pick it up again. It's been 12 years. <laughs> and I was going through and reading all of the DC comics that I could check out of the Salt Lake Public Library and my mom was reading all the Georgia hairs that I would bring her from the Salt Lake Public Library and it's not that I can't go back to them, it's just that they have that extra weight and it's interesting how our brain attaches a point of stress or a point of time or happiness to like a song or another pop culture thing and then it's like not easily overwritten right we have those experiences with the music that's popular when we're in high school or the music that we were listening to when we were in high school it's a very emotionally heavy time oh, Tori Amos <laughs> for for many of us and that stuff is very evocative. We were, where were we yesterday that the music was really on point and it was all 80s music? We bought a sofa last week mm -hmm. and we were in the furniture store and there were three songs in a row that were hard rocking 80s ladies and we were like, it's telling us something. <laughs> we need to call over that nice lady salesperson and give her a commission. And we went to a movie and then came back and did it. But, we did it. But we, yeah, and there's that music. But my mom just visited and we were in a store and Toto came on and it was Africa. And I was like, Mom, it's the song. And she was like, what song? And I said, it was on VH1 when we first moved to Alaska. And this was when I was in high school. And she was like, it wasn't this one. And of course it wasn't. It wasn't Africa. It was I'll Be Over You. But it was still Toto. And it was on VH1 all the time. And we have these like three songs that my mom and I associate with this like interval of when we first moved to Alaska when I was in high school. And you have all of these transitions. I have a mix CD that my friend made me. It's been more than he, he made this for a project that he was doing and he gave me a copy of it. So it wasn't a mixtape, a mixed disc that he made me, but it was something that he was doing. And I was like, I want a copy of it. And he gave it to me. And I associate all of those songs with him, including Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Okay. And so I think it's like an awesome song because it makes me think of my friend who I worked with for many years and who I love, but I'm not going to put it on our musical obsessions list <laughs> because be that be would be um, wrong. I think it's interesting how your brain attaches things because if, if you said, Anna, what were you reading 15 years ago in June, July, I would say, I have no idea. Right. I don't know. I, I have the category of, I read that. I know I read that. 
and I can open it and flip to a page and give you a passage from it. That's Anna's superpower. Right? But I couldn't tell you when I read it unless it has, like, little notes from college in it. Right. And I know, the only way that I know some of that stuff is in 1992, I started writing down everything that I read, and I did it consistently up until about five years ago, four or five years ago, and when I dropped the ball again. And so I had 25 years this of awesome. what I read. But I didn't have it month by month, but I did have like a year-by-year year list. And I put, entered them all into Goodreads at some point so I can even index them. But I can tell you, you know, there's the swath of stuff, and you probably have this too. It's like, I read that in a women's studies class in college. And... So I know that stuff. And I also am like, I didn't read that in the class that it was assigned in when I was in college. I I have a whole pile of those. I I was supposed to read that. And then I don't have so many timestamp hallmarks for books as I do for movies. I know like where I was in my life when I saw movies because I've I've always been an enthusiastic consumer of cinema and I watched a lot of old movies on TV with my mom when I was a kid, and I went to a lot of movies when I was in college when I was friends with some filmy people, and I watched everything that I could get my hands on when I was fresh out of college and grad school. As a young professional, there was like a cheap second-run theater, and I just saw everything. So I know things, those sort of seasons of my life, were marked by certain movies. Yes, Seasons of Love. I was just sitting here wondering why, when my mom was dying, we didn't watch more movies together or, like, read aloud to each other or consume things together instead of sort of sitting in our little islands having time pass until there wasn't any... I think that's what was available to you. And then I think about... Is this a hard pass for the rest of my life? Do I ever get over it? I think you know the answer to that. So I have... Two things on my list that I am contemplating trying. One is Audre Lorde's Cancer Journals. And the other is One Mississippi with Tignataro. Now, we watched her more recent special, but I have not been able to embrace the other special which made her famous, I would say. And I don't know if I can do that one, but I might be able to do her fictionalized television show, which is on our spreadsheet of potential television shows. Watch for it in the bracket next March. (laughs) I listened to Tig's memoir when I was on my memoir kick, which I'm not done with, but I have 
taken a hiatus. And I would not suggest you listen to her special or that book. Um, I wasn't planning on it. No, I didn't think so. I, you may have figured out that cancer is not a hard pass for me at this time. I, yeah, you read the book and saw the movie of The Fault in Our Stars, so... I thought it was, uh, that was a John Green thing. I was hoping, hoping, hoping for more supporting characters like the sidekick in Abundance of Catherines. And I had an interval where I was reading John Green's output, even though he did have a cup at one of my hard passes in one of his books. Right. The bold type, which we talked about last time as one of our obsessions, I think, has one of the characters has a dead mom, and she gets tested for the gene, and somehow I managed to be okay with that. And I think maybe it was because there was a lot of other stuff going on. And you were affected by it. Yeah, I wasn't a fan, but yeah. um, I would still watch season two, even though I imagine they'll go back to that plotline. Yeah, I get the feeling they'll go back to that. But that, So I was looking up television shows, and most of them are like very special episodes, you know, like yeah. Brenda on 90210 or um, uh, Murphy Brown, I think, was more than one episode. Yeah. But that was after I stopped watching the show regularly. And there's a new one called Alexa and Kate, which is like teenage girls and one of them has cancer and how they deal with that. And it's like, no, I, I don't. No, I don't think so. So I don't foresee any future <laughs> where I want to walk into something where cancer is a major plot point. So you said major plot point. Well, the bold type, I don't think it is a major plot point. Right, no, and that's what I was, I was wanting more information on that, because there is very little that is not in the world that is not touched by cancer. Yeah. And, um, you know, our Twitter feeds. Yeah. And our social media, and it is increasing as we get older, because we know more people who've had more opportunity to get sick, and how we how we manage those hard pass hard passes in pop culture and hard passes in real life you don't get to hard pass things well so it's been 2 years almost since i had my own brush right yeah and i had part of my thyroid out and i seem to be fine but having someone say, hey, you have cancer, and having to deal with it does bring up your own mortality feelings. And having spent a good 30 years of my life petrified, I, um, I could spend all of my time thinking about it. But I try not to. So... Thank you. Right? Because it makes me more unpleasant to be around. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> no. I mean, 
for myself. I don't really like it when I'm being a hypochondriac. So I realize, I, you know, I brace myself for the fact that it might spring up unexpectedly, but I also am trying to be open to being, to connecting with other people about it or, um, being vulnerable about my emotions and uh, so if anyone has anything to recommend for me or to put on my list of things to never contemplate I'm I'm would welcome your feedback yeah and if you have things that come out soon recently new releases be like hey Anna don't read this right please let us know Sarah who sits in front of me at work said that I should not see the movie Hereditary, which came out recently. Tony Collette is a scary mom. I think it was because of my um, my other hard pass of people vomiting, probably, uh, uh, yeah. which we have talked about exclusively, you know, extensively in our horror episodes. <laughs> right. But in um, case you forgot, <laughs> so I appreciate anyone that's willing to be like, you know what, this is not for you. Thank you, Sarah. Right. So let's change to a lighter topic of what is my musical obsession. (laughs) My musical obsession is, as usual, Mozart. (laughs) (laughs) We went to Tanglewood last week. Yes, we did. And we saw an all-Mozart program. It was lovely. the best kind of program. We got to hear one of my favorite pieces, the Jupiter Symphony, and so my obsession is the fourth movement of the Jupiter Symphony, because by the time it gets here, you are like, I've been waiting all symphony for this movement. And you want to jump up and down during all of it. Yep. It's pretty awesome. How about you? Because I don't want to put Bad Day by Daniel Powell from that mix CD back in, I don't even remember what year it was. It must have been 2006-ish, 2007-ish, because of that. Another selection from that CD, there were several awesome things, like Crazy Train by Black Sabbath, and It's a Long Way to Tipperary. That's a good good one. Isn't that a great one? But I think I'm going to go with Over My Head by The Fray. I knew you were going to go with that one, and I knew it was from this CD because you've mentioned it every time it comes on the radio. Also, you know that there are several songs that I only know yes. from that CD because well, it was it, not a pop music interval it's of my basically life. Basically, that CD and Glee. <laughs> Pretty much. So, we have a shared non musical obsession this episode, yep. and it may continue on forever, and that is Hannah Gadsby's Netflix special, Nanette, yes. in which she is a stand-up comic who does an hour and nine minutes of stand-up not comedy. She has jokes, but the the gist of what she's saying is serious. This is not funny. Right. This is not funny at all. And, and it's, it's so good. It's really good. Speaking of things that make me cry. It's so, so, so good. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and give it a try if you have Netflix. I realize that it's not accessible to everyone we'll link a couple of awesome articles in the show notes that will tell you some about it there's no spoiling because her delivery of her story 
is unparalleled. So um, I hope that there are more things like it to come from all kinds of people. That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, I feel emotionally drained. Like I do at the end of every episode. Thank you for sharing this with us, Anna. I look forward to sharing my own right? in our next episode. You want to start episode. recording it right now? Sure, we can oh do that boy. as soon as we're done. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Bellwether Friends, B-E-L-L-W-E-T-H-E-R-F-R-N-D-S. You can find us on Facebook. We have been tumbling. We are everywhere. <laughs> If you want, you can look us up on iTunes and leave us a review. I'm Anna, and you can find me online at Helga Grace, H-E-L-G-A-G-R-A-C-E. I'm Eileen, and you can find me on Twitter at Surly Spice, S-U-R-L-Y-S-P-I-C-E. Our In and Out music was provided by Julie Jurgens. You can find her on Twitter at Hi Miss Julie, H-I-M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E. Bye. Bye.